welcome to the latest episode of Don't You Forget About Me, the New Wave Music Podcast. My name is T-Bone. My name's Steve. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. So today we're going to go over a couple of albums, as we mentioned last week, that are a little bit different from what we usually do. Uh, This week we're going to do some cover albums. Uh, Most artists uh, seem to put out a cover album at least once in their career. Annie Lennox had a really good one a few years back, and Iva Davies of Ice House had a really good album with uh, a number of great songs on it. Yeah, cover albums can be kind of a mixed bag. Some can be really good. Some can be not so good. I completely agree. And, and you know, I'd, I'd like to add to that, that at least, and I'll, we'll tell you about who we're going to cover today in just a moment. But I found that with today's albums that we're going to review, that it's much more difficult because it's not that artist's songs. You know, I don't know how you felt about that, Steve, if that, that, if that was a detrimental to doing a review for them for you, but it certainly was for me. No, I mean, I, I like it when sometimes other artists will kind of cut to cover to make it their own, such as the wonder stuff did a great version of closer to find by the Indigo girls that I actually prefer over the Indigo girls. Went to the doctor and I look to the mountain. We go to the children and I drank from the fountain. Yeah, there's more than one answer to these questions. Pointing me in a crooked line And the less I seek my source for some definitive Closer I am to fly I do as well. Yeah, no, I like that song a lot. I, I guess it was just, it, it, something just doesn't seem the same to me when it's not their own songs. There's something that's kind of missing. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy a lot of the songs that we're going to be talking about uh, for the most part. But yeah, something just it seems a little bit different to me when it's not their own music. So yeah, let's jump into the first album we have here today. The first one we're going to be covering is from Dave Gahan. Dave, you might remember, or probably do remember from his band Depeche Mode. They had such big hits as Personal Jesus. Enjoy the silence. And it's no good. Don't say you're happy out there without me. I know you can't be. Cause it's no good. This album here is um, Imposter. It's the third collaboration studio album that, that Dave and his band Soul Savers have done. This was released uh, just this year, but it was actually recorded back in November of 2019. Now, Soul Saver is a group that uh, mainly consists of Rich Mation and Ian Glover. They are a production team and remix team. All of the instruments, though, on this album are from a large, different group of musicians. They, they really are just more of the production side. T-Bone, I'll be honest. This one I was actually excited for. Out of the two albums we're going to be doing, I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan. Seen them probably well, at who, least who isn't? Probably at least twenty times. Seen Dave on his soul album a few times. But let's just jump in and discuss this. Yeah, you know, and and I want to just say before we get started here, I, I'm not, and I, I know Steve that you'll agree with me on this. I'm not going to even pretend to know that I know most of these songs. As a matter of fact, personally, I was familiar with two of them. Yeah, me too. And I think we probably know the two that we were familiar yeah, with. Exactly. So yeah, um and and you know let, let's let me also interject because we've already talked about Dave obviously being with Depeche Mode and I want this to be said. This is not Depeche Mode. No. Uh, if you're looking for one at least one dance song, 
you are going to be sorely disappointed. That, that is true. Uh, this album here, Imposter, it opens with the song Dark at the End of the Street. At the dark end of the street That's where we always meet Which was done by uh, James Carr. Not familiar with them. No, 1967. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with him, but he's a soul singer. And, and for me, this song, it, it opens strong. The vocals are what you would expect for a little bit from Dave. Uh, I like the guitar work and the organ, but it quickly wears out its welcome. Well, yeah, let's, let's hold on before we go that far. I, I really like this opener as well. Uh, it has a, a strong gospel sound to yeah. it, which obviously comes from the original singer, James Carr. Um, the song really does open this, this album on a strong note, I felt. Uh, but yes, as you just said, Steve, let's continue. So yeah, on this one here, the, this song here would have been a T-Bone classic. It's a very short song. Only two and a half minutes, but it feels to me like five minutes. Are you talking about the first song? The first song. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, yeah. It, well, I don't know if I necessarily feel like it felt like a long song to me. It, it The song worked for me, but it's just once we start getting into later songs that I have my, my concerns. Uh, the second song being Strange Religion, which is uh, a 2004 song from Mark Lanigan, uh, who worked with Screaming Trees and and Queens of the Stone Age. The Buick's a century, 73 like you. Some strange religion. Not uh, really uh, all that memorable of a song to me. No, I was very bored with this song. Um, I've listened to it multiple times for this review, and it, I can't really recall any of it. Well, yeah, and and it's funny you'd say that because that just goes right into the next song, which is Lilac Wine, which was done by Hope Foyle back in 1950. Lilac Wine I mean, this is sad, Steve, because I don't... I've listened to this a number of times just like you have, and nothing sticks out about these songs. When this came out, when the news came out of his album, we were excited about it, thinking, hey, this is going to be a great album to review for the podcast. By the time Lilac Wine came on, my notes on here said, I'm starting to get annoyed with this album. Yeah, you know, and also the funny thing is, is I I have some other... Dave Gahan and Soul Saver albums. They don't sound like this. No, I even went back and listened to my other ones because to me, all these songs, and we're only three into it, are starting to sound like a funeral march. That's being nice. And drawn out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think things do improve just a touch, I want to say, on number four, and that's I Held My Baby Last Night. which was done by Elmore James back in 1952. This one uh, is, again, more of a, a soul kind of uh, style song. I felt it was a little bit stronger than some of the earlier songs that we've talked about. Uh, it's not going to win any awards, but I, I, I did like it a little bit more than what we've heard. No, to me, the sound of the electric guitar at the beginning was a welcome sound. But Dave's Elvis impression throughout the song, his vocals did not work. Yeah. Um, I like the backing chorus on there, but Dave trying to channel someone else was too much for me for this song. Right. Which gets us into Neil Young's A Man Needs a Maid. Yeah, 1972 song. A maid 
Uh, to me, I, I like the piano work on this. Dave's vocals are kind of going back to his normal, what you'd expect from him, especially from the last song. This one's kind of a, a minor standout to me on the album, but that's not saying much. Well, yeah, I agree with you. And and I'm a I'm actually a big fan of Neil Young. I, I like his music very much, all the, the stuff yeah. he's done over the past 30, 40 years. But but for me, this song just really didn't do much for me. It it uh, it, it just doesn't have any strong vocal or instrumental kick to it. And so, yeah, I, I can't really say that it was anything that I uh, thought was any better than some of the other songs on this album. Yeah, and then we get into Metal Heart. Does that not sound like a, a heavy metal song to you or something like that? Not maybe? No. It could or... It's not. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see I believe this was the single from the album. I think you're right. Yeah. And this one's from 1998, uh, done originally by Cat Power, um, who Steve and I just saw recently open up for um, Alanis Morissette. I didn't really care for it, that version, any more than I did this version. Did they play that one when we saw her opening? I have no idea. I kind of tuned that opener out. Yeah. This one here, Dave's vocals are back what you'd expect. Um, he's not trying to be someone else. I do on this one like how the choir does kick in. Dave's vocals are a little more relaxed. But again, like you said, this is just so, so bland and pretty, yeah. just boring. Yeah. Um, up next is the seventh song, Shut Me Down. And this one was done by Roland S. Howard back in, in 2009. I'm standing in a suit as ragged as my nerves and I agree what I become is sure. And for me, this is actually the first song on the album that picks up the pace, uh, at least in the chorus. Uh, it really kind of di- is disappointing that we had to go in seven songs before we got something that was uh, not putting me to sleep. See, this one kind of woke me up a little bit, but it's just because listening to it, when it kicks in, I thought at first it was the, the Twin Peaks theme. <laughs> Similarities to the uh, to the sound of that one. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this one here again has some filter filter vocals from Dave, which is kind of part and kind of putting me off on this album. It's very filtered or it's just not himself. Um, and I found it still to be slow and dull, like most of the album. Yeah. Well, it's like I say, I think it was just mainly the chorus that I really liked on it. Uh, you know, it kind of did pick up and, and change the pace of the song, p- change the pace of the whole album. And so th- this song I can recommend, but uh, you know, once we get into the next song, number eight, where my love lies asleep, originally done by Gene Clark of the birds back in 71. Then I'm right back into, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I really care that much. Yeah, my notes say here here we hit the ballad of the album, but hasn't the whole album really been a ballad album? It has. I mean, I don't know that that was the intention of this album, but everything is so slowly paced that they almost all come across as a ballad. And again, my notes throughout this are saying, if I'm having a hard time sleeping, put this album on because <laughs> it will knock you out. <laughs> I cannot disagree with you on that one. And uh, next up is uh, probably the highlight of the album for me and that is number nine's smile smile what's the use of crying you'll find that life 
is still worthwhile if you just smile. This was originally written by Charlie Chaplin uh, for the 1936 film Modern Times, uh, but it was only just the music. Lyrics were created uh, decades later in 1954. Uh, I And I think, Steve, you probably would agree with me on this. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Charlie Chaplin, always have been. I really can't appreciate Dave's love of this song, but I don't know that it really puts across the right message the way he approaches the song i like it a lot i still think it's probably the I highlight like the song and that's could be probably because it's memorable and i just want to actually know but it also sounds like dave's trying too hard to make this song work I or, agree. or he's trying to get it back when this album was made he was trying to get it added to the film joker oh I, well it's very possible yeah i mean that was used in the movie yeah. joker not his version but uh this one actually would have worked for it movie. probably would have been better for the the movie than uh than the version that was on in the movie let me get to the next track the desperate kingdom but how the wind knocked you down Put on your spurs, swagger This one really, to me, feels out of place. It's got the electric start, especially after, what, 80% of this album, we've had this slow, dull, monotone songs going. Then you have this electric kind of distortion. The vocals, to me, didn't work on this album. Most of this album is basic. I felt this one was added just to make that album, just to hit that album length, so it's not an EP, but an album. Yeah, well, and and I do like to let people know who did it originally. And so this one was done by PJ Harvey in 2004. You know, as we're getting towards the end of this album, uh, I got to say again, I mean, I agree with you, but it just really didn't show any interest to me. I I didn't really find anything all that exciting to listen to about it. And everything just started to come together as one big long song. Yeah. Then we get to the next track, Not Dark Yet by Bob Dylan. Yes. 1997. And this one actually was a surprise. I enjoyed this one off the album. To me, I thought it was very tight musically, vocally. This one worked for me. I love the bass, the vocals. This one worked out of the whole album for me. Well, I'm glad it did for you. I, 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 it's not that it didn't for me, but I just don't really have any recollection, even after mem- listening to this album many, many times. <laughs> it, it just did not stick into my craw. And uh, uh, I'm not saying that that makes it necessarily a bad song, but it just didn't do anything for me. And then we conclude the album with probably the most covered version. One of the songs is probably the most covered. Always on my mind. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind Tell me Tell me that your sweet love hasn't died 
Yeah, originally done by, and people, it gets confusing on who did it originally, but my my research, and you can always email us and tell us if we're wrong, my research says it was Brenda Lee in 1971. Obviously, the song has been recorded by a plethora of different singers over the years, including Elvis Presley, Willie Nelson, and for our audience, obviously, Pet Shop Boys. Dave's version, uh, as you would guess, is very different from the other versions. Uh, to the point that, in my mind, it creates an entirely different meaning to the song. Yeah, and I still can't decide if I really like this version or not. By the time that we reach this song on the album, I'm exhausted from just pushing through trying to listen to this album. I really like the song. Uh, you know, I mean, I like his version also. It, it is by no means my favorite version of this song. I probably could think of about three or four others that I would listen to ahead of this one. Uh, but I must say, you know, we have seen a lot of albums over the past number of uh, episodes where the final song on the album is a real letdown. Yeah. And I feel at least this song. No, this one he probably should have put earlier on in the album to grab some of that. And that's possible. Yeah, that's very possible. But like I say, I, I, I actually think that having it at the end, maybe it helps you forget some of the songs before it. I, I, I want to say that without any really knowledge of that being the goal. I, I don't know. To me, the album Imposter is a short album, but it feels like it's four times longer than it is due to the tempo and how I feel each song is just dragged out. The album to me is nothing really. It's just dull and depressing. Oh, yeah. Not a fan of how Dave did did his take on this. Um, to me, almost, almost each song is arranged the same, the same tempo, the same melody, the same vocal pitch. Well, it's funny you'd say that because sadly, I, I think most all of the songs are indistinguishable from the the others. Yeah. You know, there are a few that, you know, maybe because of familiarity that might stick out to you. But, there, you know, I think there are plenty of our listeners out there that might like this album. I personally found it tedious and repetitious. The disappointment, I I think, is not so much in the lyrics. It's just how dour every song is. To me, this was just a chore to listen to. Um, let's do it multiple times for this this podcast. I was actually really excited being a huge Depeche Mode fan. Yeah. But it's a shame because I will not pick up this album. I would not recommend this album. To quote one of my... Uh, Friends, I'd rather be kicked in the head with a steel toe boot than listen to this album again. Well, Dave has said that, you know, these songs mean something to him. I'd like to know why. I'd like to know what they mean to him because nothing on this album says that he likes these songs. You know, he is everything is just so down and slow and depressing that I, I don't know what makes him enjoy these songs. Yeah. You know, I'd like to close this off with a quote from him. We didn't write these songs, but we listened to them, studied them and gave them life. I don't know about giving them life. Really? <laughs> Gave them life? I mean, you can be the judge. You know, if you are a huge Dave Gahan fan and soul saver, then yeah, go for it. But I think, I think you know, in the in the words of Siskel and Ebert, Steve and I are going to give this a thumbs down. No kidding. And just some brief music news that happened over the course of this in between doing these last couple podcasts. Tears for Fears dropped another new song, No Small Thing. I really liked. We'll talk more in depth, though, in probably February when the album comes out. Yeah, great song. You know, the video is out for it also. The, yes. uh, the video for The Tipping Point, I thought, was just phenomenal. This video is a little bit more generic, but the song itself is is outstanding. Yeah, really looking forward to that album. And then up next, I think, is my favorite tour name of the year so far. 
the Sing You Sinners tour from Joe Jackson. Isn't that great? That's a great So name. he's going to start on May 11th next year in Durham, North Carolina. He'll swing around the country a little bit, and then he will end up in Charleston, South Carolina on June 25th. And then finally, uh, Midnight Oil at the end of November announced that they have not only a new album coming out, Resist, but it's going to be their officially farewell tour. The band announced that this will be their final concert tour, making it clear that that this does not mean the end of the Oils. Each member will continue to their own projects over the years ahead. They remain very open to recording new music together in the future and supporting causes which they believe will be, but they believe this will be their last tour. Sadly, it looks like this is only going to be a tour in Australia, New Zealand. They, they've they hinted that there is a possibility of uh, shows outside of that area. Sadly, I, I'm not holding my breath. I, I've got my fingers crossed, but I, I just don't anticipate it. So you may remember Morrissey. He was the lead singer of The Smiths, and he has had a long and lengthy solo career. You'll recognize songs like Suede Head. Irish Blood, English Heart. Irish Blood, English Heart. This I'm made of. There is no one on earth. I'm afraid. And Sing Your Life. Sing Your Life. And if you can think of words that rhyme, many others do. Why don't you? Do you want to? So this album uh, features a number of the uh, musicians, those in his current band, including uh, the more well-known ones like Boz Borer and Jesse Tobias. I do want to say, Steve, before we get started, if you hate Moz's political views of late, I would say try to see if you can move past that and just enjoy the songs. No question. When T-Bone suggested this as a follow-up to Dave Gahan's album, I was kind of really looking forward to Dave's and Dread Morrissey. Well, we saw how that turned out with Dave's album without giving too much away. I love this album. Yeah. I was, it's made me come back and want to revisit some of Morrissey's stuff. Um, it's getting past his personal opinions. Going back to the songs, the lyrics that he does, there's no doubt denying he's gifted. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I, I will say, Steve knows this, that my wife is a uber fan of Morrissey. And she looked over my notes uh, yesterday before I got them all typed up, and they are Rachel approved. That's good because yes. your your wife will be happy and I'll be happy out to hide from your wife after this review because right. I yes, think she'll agree with me. Right. So the first song is called Morning Starship. As she slowly opened the door, the darkness told me nothing more except to say that she was near my morning starship. This one is from 1973 by Bruce Wayne Campbell, also known as Jobriath. And this was during the glam period of rock and roll, the early 70s. Moz was a huge fan of that genre, including the New York Dolls and other glam bands. You know, Steve, I I think this song is a perfect opener for this. Oh, I love this song. It's very, it's very simple, but yet effective. It's a little bit more raw than the original. Right. Morrissey's vocals are on point. Unlike Dave's album, I had zero desire to go back and listen to the originals. This one actually went back, listened to the originals to see how they compared to Morrissey's take. I'm glad he didn't just do a carbon copy. He did a great job incorporating and making his own, which is something that didn't happen on the last album. Right, right. 
moving on this one yeah morning starship was a great way to open this album i believe it was also a single from, from this album i think so yeah and you know he's also on on you know his tour from a couple of years ago he did play this one in concert uh, along with a couple of uh, i think one other song from this covers album and uh really just did a, a fabulous job on stage with it yeah and then we get into the song don't interrupt the sorrow don't interrupt the sorrow you're darn right in flames a prophet which is people lies a room full of glasses he says you're not just liberation dog yeah, 1975 from Joni Mitchell. You know, it's not really maybe my favorite song on this album, but I will say that it was very interesting to hear saxophone on a Morrissey album. Oh, I yeah. Really think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think it may be the first time there's ever been a saxophone on a Moz song. Yep. And my notes even say, I love the arrangements, the soft percussions, mix of keyboards, saxophone. And again, great vocal range from Morrissey. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, up next, the third song is Only a Pawn in the Game. Keep up his hate, so he never thinks straight about the shape that he's in. But it ain't him to blame. He's only a pawn in the game. This is from 1963 from Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is a is a uh, singer that a lot of pl- uh, artists do yep. covers of. You know, Dave did one, and uh, uh, obviously Morrissey here is doing one. But yeah, you know, it's obvious that Dave uh, that D- Bob Dylan is a very popular songwriter. This one, I, I got to say, Steve, I really did like. I especially like the outstanding wordplay in this song about the assassination of civil rights advocate yep. Medgar Evers. I mean, it seems almost as timely now as it was back in the 60s. And I really appreciate him choosing this song, and it works. T-Bone, I think you're reading my notes. <laughs> no, I'm not. I think we have some similar thoughts on this album. To me, this is actually probably the, one of the highlights on the album. I really liked his version versus Bob Dylan's. It's a little more tempo-wise, a little bit more faster. Again, he makes it his own. I love the arrangements, his vocals on the track. To me, this was a highlight of Morrissey and how his vocals and mix the arrangements down to make it his own. And again, my notes do say this could argue that this is a very timely tune for where we're at now versus when this was recorded. Absolutely. Well, it was timely then also, you know, yeah, obviously, was. but it, I mean, it, it is it's equally so history in our repeating itself. No, there's no question about that. Uh, up next is the fourth song, Suffer the Little Children. Uh, this was done by Buffy Sun- Saint Marie in 1970. Mama, she don't really care if what they learn is true or if what they learn is lies. Just get them through the factories into production or get them into. This is a, a a really peppy song that I really enjoyed a lot. It has outstanding drums on it. And just as a little trivia note, the Smiths had a song called Suffer the Children, uh, as compared to this one being Suffer the Little Children. Now, totally different subject matter, so I think it's probably just more of a coincidence that, that these titles yeah. are similar. First thing on my notes were like, wasn't this a Smith song? Question mark. Had to go back, check it. Glad you covered that. To me, like you said, this is a little more peppy for Morrissey. This reminds me more of a little bit of his rockabilly, kind of from his Kill Your Uncle tour yeah. time. I really like this one. Uh, reminds me of, it could have fit very well on Kill Uncle. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, there, there's a number of songs on here that really hint towards some of his earlier works. And I think that may be a connection with uh, the time that he did, uh, that he these songs come from, which is obviously, a, there's a lot of songs here from the 70s. Oh, a lot. It's like 60s, 70s. Yes. And then we get into Days of Decision. This one was from Phil 
Orcs? Oaks? Oaks? O-C-H-S? I don't know. I think it's Oaks, but I'm not positive. Face of the people who know they're going to win With a strength greater than the power of the wind You can't stand around when the ice is growing thin For these are the days of decision it's a slower song on the album. Um, sometimes I'm not a fan of those as much, but this one to me worked. Again, great, great guitar work, great vocals from Morrissey. So far, I'm, what are we, five for five on this? Yeah, I think so. Now, this song didn't do maybe as much as it did uh, for me as it did for you, Steve, but I, I certainly, I'm not saying that I didn't like it, but I, I just didn't really have a, it didn't leave a strong impression for me. No, but it's one I that mean, I would let, let still play. I wouldn't skip it. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't skip it either. I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was well done. It just didn't really have a strong impression, which is just the opposite of what's going to, I'm going to say on the next song, which is It's Over which is from 1964 and the legend Roy Orbison. I would say that Maz's vocals are so different from Orbison. Uh, Orbison had that really deep longing sound, but it still works. Orbison probably did have a little bit more pain in his vocals during that song. I don't know that that really necessarily would have worked with Moz, uh, but I do really appreciate how he did the song. And uh, I think it's, I think it's one of the highlights of the album. Oh, I agree. I got a kick out of this, how it opens with kind of the Roy Orbison vocal. I don't think that was Moz doing the opening. Not sure who that was. It's a slower track, simple keyboard work, but it builds up musically and vocally to the chorus. I really liked how Morrissey did his own take with Roy Orbison. He was not trying to channel or mimic Roy Orbison. Well, absolutely, and that's what I'm talking about there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think if he had tried to somehow do that, that pure angst that Orbison had in the mm-hmm. original song. I don't know that it would have worked as well. For no, us. for me though, I can tell you, he really liked what he's singing. At least it comes across more. He's enjoying what he's singing on this. Yeah. It works very well. Absolutely. Next up is actually uh, one of the highlights of the album for me. And that's wedding bell blues. This is originally from 1966, the year of my birth by Laura Nero. I have not lived one day, not loving you all. I have always enjoyed this song. Moz does it justice. Oh, I love this version. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. And I was surprised to find out who the backing vocalist was. Yes. On As a matter of fact, that's what I was just going to say next. The, the For me, the background vocals sound like they came right out of the 60s. Yeah. And who is the special guest on this uh, background vocal, Steve? Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that you would even really know that by listening to the song. Did you did you know it was him? Without I did not know it, it. But then after I knew he was in it, I kept having to go back and re-listen to it. Like, where's his vocals? And then finally, about halfway through, you can pick them up. They're very distinct, yeah. which is a big name like his. You'd think the vocals would be more overpowering. And does it seem surprising to have Billy Billy? What is it? Billy Joe Armstrong on on a Morrissey album? I mean, it seemed like totally different 
types of musical styles. Maybe they Morrissey shapes other? Morrissey shapes all life. I guess so. I, I I don't know. Next up on the number eight song is Loneliness Remembers What Happiness Forgets. Uh, this was from 1970 and originally done by Diane, uh, Dionne Warwick. Loneliness remembers what happiness forgets. I had to lose you to recall. Life's not really all sunshine and laughter. Loneliness remembers. Uh, now, this one was composed by the legend Burt Bacharach, and it is a lush song, both instrumentally and vocally, and really has a fantastic orchestration on it. Right. And you mentioned the first use of a uh, saxophone in a Morrissey song. This one, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there's a use of a triangle. <laughs> right. Well, he's branching out. So, I mean, I, I like this one as well. Vocals were on temp, like how the vocals change in point. He did a good job making it his own version versus the just a straight cover. Right. Next up is my other favorite out song on this album, Lady Willpower. Uh, this is from 1968, originally done by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. You know, I think the thing that I like so much about this song is how it just jumps right into the song. Ma's making it oh, yeah. his own. You know, it's funny that we keep saying that Ma's making these songs his own. I think that's what appeals to me so much on this album is that we aren't looking at carbon copies of the originals, just like you mentioned. Now, obviously, with Dave's no. covers album, we weren't there either because he was trying to go in a totally no, with different Dave's, direction. With Dave's album, it sounded like the, these were songs that changed his life or impacted his life. Didn't really figure it out. Morrissey hasn't said if these ones impacted his life, but getting the feel from listening to this, how much passion he's got into it. Absolutely. These definitely did have an impact with him. Well, there's no question about that. Might not know the story about behind each one of these songs, how they influenced him or shaped him, but you can tell that in his songs. Unlike Dave's album, where you're just left trying to stay awake. Yeah, trying to figure out what he was trying to, uh, what approach he was going with. I also do really like the horns in this song. Again, T-Bone, you're reading my notes. (laughs) No, I am not. I love the horns. And again, Morrissey works on it. It's a great, great tribute to them. (laughs) And then the next song, When You Close Your Eyes. When you close your eyes, do you see places that you've never seen? Yet you've been there, you've been walking. This one was to me was kind of a bit of a letdown or or felt a little bit stretched out compared to all the other songs. Um, It just could have been just following up the... Such a great song. Yeah, Yeah. the tempo of Lady Willpower to go into this. It was kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, it's definitely taking a breather out of the album. Yeah, you know, I think I maybe liked it a little bit more than you. Now, this one comes from I I still liked it. I just didn't wasn't up there as, as the last time. Oh, okay. Well, and I still, but I still think maybe I did like it a little bit yeah. better than you. But now this one was from Carly Simon, 1972. It is a ballad. It's a slower song. I, I found it quite beautiful. And I do want to say, no, this is not the Night Ranger song. This is not their <laughs> version. So thank goodness. That's good. Then we're hitting the last two songs on the album. Before we go further, I would just say, if I could stop his, the California Sun album, it'd be a perfect album up to this point. And we, I'm going to, you know, now I think you're reading my notes because <laughs> I will say the very same thing. The last two songs, not necessarily as interesting as what we've seen before, but yeah, go ahead with number 11. So number 11 is Lenny's tune. This one was done by Tim Harden. I don't recall the year. 1968. And why after every last shot was there always another? Why? 
And to me, this one was uh, maybe a bit too simple or toned down, or maybe I was starting to have flashbacks to Dave's album. The piano and Morris here mostly throughout the song. It's not horrible. It's just 80% of California Sun is very strong and done very well. We're hitting that bottom 20% right yeah. now. Well, and it's another slow song, just like when you close your eyes, uh, which I think, I, like I say, I think I liked a little, little bit more than you, but I didn't find Lenny's tune to be nearly as interesting no. as the previous song. So it is a little bit of a disappointment. Um, then we move on to the last song, which is called Some Say I Got Devil. This is the most recent song that uh, Morrissey is covering. It's from 2017 from a Scandinavian singer named Ma- Marie Boine. That I have seen qualify me for a part in your dream. And it's a very odd closer. That, yeah, to me, this would be my skip song of the album. Yeah, it's, probably my song. It's also. the one I struggled to listen to every thorough. Um, well, like and, I said, 80% of California Sun. Yeah. I loved it. Up until we get to Lenny's tune, I got to admit, if I'm not doing podcast research for it, I stop it at that point. Well, this one incorporates kind of jazz and rock into it. And I did listen to the original to make sure that I was getting the right person that he was covering. And, you know, I got to be honest with you. I think that the original is even a little more weird than the remake. No question. And so, I mean, maybe there is that advantage for this album, but uh, it's definitely not a strong album to close it. No, but I, I would still give California Sun a high recommend. Oh, like I absolutely. said, coming into this review, I was kind of dreading this Morrissey review. I was a little bit put off by Morrissey lately. This has made me want to go back and actually revisit and listen to his uh, catalog. I'm excited for his, he's got a new album supposedly almost done. He's just looking for a financer. Right. Yeah. Well, he's look, I think it's he's looking for a label. I think it's all done and ready to go. He just needs some label to actually put it out. And hopefully that'll be the case. You know, a lot of the, we did mentioned earlier that a lot of these songs come from the late sixties and seventies. Right. And that really does not surprise me that much because before the Smiths, Moz was writing about music of that time. And so it, he has a strong familiarity with these, the album itself, uh, you know, received mixed reviews, uh, from critics, but for the most part, I really enjoy it. For me, I think we've already discussed this. Not every song works, especially towards the end. Just like with you, Steve, I, it is far I, enough for me to have at a, least eighty percent of an album yeah, works for me. Then and that's this, pretty good. And this did not only I enjoyed it, but this actually got me to become a back to being excited to be a Morrissey fan again. Right, right. Go back and re-listen to some of his stuff. Yeah, and so I'm definitely going to give this a recommendation. Um, go for the whole album. You know, you it's up to you whether you want to kind of skip off the last couple. You may like them more than we did, but I would definitely recommend this album to any fan of Moz. If you don't already have it, most, I think most Moz fans will, but anybody who has been on the, on the sidelines with Morrissey, uh, maybe they give this one a try. You might find it really interesting. It's a good gateway to get back into Morrissey. Yeah, I agree. Again, thank you guys very much for listening and downloading. We do appreciate all your support. We're going to be uh, back in a couple weeks. We're going to be back with our next episode, one that T-Bone's very excited about, the new album from the Blow Monkeys and the latest album from They Might Be Giants. This Blow Monkeys album is reminding me a lot of some of their early 80s material, and I'm really happy about that. Yep, well, looking forward to hearing that in a couple weeks, and thank you guys for your support. Until next time. Okay, thanks a lot, everyone. We appreciate it.